Hello and welcome to the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, the executive director, and I'm pleased to be joined by Corey Muirhead. He's with Logan Bus and also president of the New York School Bus Contractors Association. Welcome to the bus stop, Corey. Hi, Kurt. Thank you for having me again. Oh, our pleasure. Um, and I just want to you know, get quickly to what's going on in New York State in terms of continuing payments to school bus contractors uh, so we can have the continuity of the student transportation system up in the Empire State. Yeah, so, you know, overall picture is that the governor has not stepped in and issued a direction to state education department who then have not issued a direction to the individual school districts to pay their contractors. School districts are taking it upon themselves, making educated business decisions to pay or not. Um, some school districts have exercised the, the right to continue payment and they, they wish for no lapse in service and they understand all the complexities and compliance issues and just the intricacies of what goes on behind the scenes with school bus companies. So they've continued to pay and uh, they are, they, they, they've done a great job of doing that. At the same time, there are other school districts who have received a direction from their attorneys that they cannot pay, and there are other school districts that are not paying because there is no direction from state ed. So there's really three buckets here of the type of school districts in New York State going on right now, and just once again to reiterate, the first are the ones that are paying, they recognize all the challenges and the compliances and all the things that go into behind the scenes of getting a school bus up and running. There's the districts that are not paying because their attorneys on staff are telling them not to pay for a couple of reasons. And then there's the school districts who are willing to pay, but don't know if they can pay. And all they want is direction from state education department. And the problem with the direction from the state education department is we've had numerous conversations with state ed. And they have told us they need direction from the governor. So this decision for contractors to be paid by the school districts rests with the only person, Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, and it's a, a situation that we've seen replayed around, um, you know, many states. And, you know, we the advice that we've given from the NSTA level is to first, you know, engage with your school districts and, and see where that goes. And then, yeah, we've gotten some objections. And in fact, even after the passage of the CARES Act in that section 18006, um, you know, we disseminated that information and, and we've had um, people come back to us and say that, uh, yeah, that doesn't basically, you know, that section doesn't apply to us, um, which I don't know how you could possibly say that. And we've also seen the three buckets that you're talking about. Now, specifically with the districts that are not um, paying, have summarily dismissed uh, an invoice. Um, what, what's their rationale? Well, there's a there's a couple of things. So, you know, I'm going to talk first about the, the, the HR CARES Act that you, that you spoke about. Talking to our districts about that, they're hanging their hat on a very specific sentence in that article where it says, to the best of their ability. And if you look at that again, that's where they're saying they don't, to the best of their ability, they can't pay right now. And that's just the reality that we live in. And that's the kind of feedback that we've been hearing from a couple of At the same time, Governor Cuomo issued an executive order saying that he's waiving the 180-day mandate for school districts. We tried to use that as another feather in our cap. And they once again said, well, that doesn't apply to us either. 
and they're nervous that they're not getting their state aid or their state aid is going to be cut. And our argument is, well, you have a stimulus package that addressed your needs and saying that you should pay your employees and your contractors to the best of your ability. And they're saying, well, it's to the best of our ability, we can't do it. And then we're saying you have a governor who issued an executive order saying that they're waiving the 180-day requirement and you'll receive state aid. Yeah, well, our state aid could be cut. So the lack of education and the lack of knowledge from everyone is just creating such a misconception and it's just mass confusion. And I don't know if that's by design by the state until they, in, and federal government until they figured this out or not, but we thought that both of those things were going to be large feathers in our caps to get paid. And they're still saying that those aren't good enough. So that's the first part. Now, the second part is there's been a couple of districts that have told us at the advice of their attorneys that this is an improper use and this is a of, of, of money and it's a gift of public funds. And I can't tell you how upset I am when I hear that word. We've had attorneys look this up. It is not a gift of public funds whatsoever. You could also argue at the same time, if you're not willing to pay your contractors, if you're paying your teachers and your janitors and your facilities staff while schools are closed, is that a gift of public funds? Are you crediting back the, back the taxpayers? Where do you draw the line? Is this not discriminatory? When I hear a statement like that, that raises a red flag to me because I just don't see it. I don't understand how they arrive at that conclusion. Now, there's case law in this, and a couple of attorneys had pulled this out, and I wrote an article on LinkedIn about it today, and we won't get into it too much, but theirs makes it clear that this does not apply to school districts' contractual payment obligations. So we're going to try and go back to the school districts. We're going to use this case law, and we're going to show them that they're interpreting this law incorrectly. Um, the second part of that is they're saying that we are not providing services any longer. And this is where I really get upset. And this is this is um this is just a common misconception with the school bus industry. And I think any school bus employee and owner could, could could attest to this is everybody takes for granted the school bus. They think it gets there and it just drives the kids to school and home and that's it. And it's supposed to be there on time every day supposed to have a driver behind the wheel, vehicle's not supposed to get in an accident, et cetera, et cetera. Every day the school bus does its job and everyone thinks it just is smooth. So before that school bus gets on the road, before that driver gets behind the school bus, you have to do a 19A medical, you got to do a DOT physical, you got to do a road test, got to do the blood pressure, diabetes, TB test, physical performances. We have to pull annual and monthly abstracts. The matrons do CPR, first aid, uh, special needs, education, sensitivity training. So many other things need to get done to be certified as a driver or a matron to be behind that school bus. On top of that, the vehicles have to be maintained. They have to pass a DOT inspection twice a year. They have to be upkept with the MC300 form so that the vehicle will pass each inspection each time so that those vehicles are the safest on the road. What people don't realize, and even the school districts and the school boards, is all of those behind the scenes regulatory mandates, certifications and qualifications are being done today without revenue. And those are services. Those are essential services 
that are needed to transport the children. If those completely lapsed, there will be no transportation services. You cannot put bus drivers or matrons on the road without their medical, without their physicals, without their road tests, without their without their FMCSA clearinghouse drug tests, without their 13 county background checks. You cannot put a school bus on the road without a valid past DOT inspection sticker. It is against the law. In order for that to happen, we need to still be paid. We are still providing essential services. If anything, out of the 10 services we provide, we're only not providing one, and that is the actual transportation. And now the education portion of this that we've been trying to educate the school districts, the attorneys, and the school boards, they don't understand that. And we've this has constantly been an education process for these people, trying to explain to them all of the things behind the scenes we do to run a transportation company. Some of them have found it enlightening. Some of them have just turned a blind eye. But in order for school buses to run, all of those things must take place. And there are costs associated with every single one of those things. And if the transportation companies can't, get, can't be paid, then we can't do those things. And those employees are laid off and they become out of compliance. And then the line to get those employees back into compliance and conduct a road test, conduct a TB test, conduct a physical, conduct a road test, conduct a drug test becomes longer and longer and longer the more employees that are laid off. State agencies are overworked and understaffed. When they come back and they see 20,000, 25,000, 45,000 employees who need to be put back into compliance, think of how long that will take. And this is the story that we've told the school districts, and many school districts understand it. And like I said just before, many school districts don't care. And that's why we need the decision makers, the governor, state elected officials, and others to pay attention to this industry, because you're interrupting the education process. And that that's the truth. The school bus starts the education process for kids. If a kid needs to get to school by transportation, by a school bus, and there's not the school bus provided for he or she, then you are going to interfere with that student learning process. And we don't want that to happen. And the general public and the decision makers need to wake up and they need to realize that. I think this is especially um, critical in New York State because you all represent over 60% of the student transportation statewide. Is that correct? That is correct. 63%. So the in, in essence, um, that that number is actually flipped on the national level, so it's more of a 60-40 split um, in district, private on the national level. You you have it flipped, so more so to to put a bow on that, more children are transported to and from school by a private school bus contractor than they are by in district operators. That is correct. Um, yeah and and so to to me it's it's more critical that you know as you point out that you're really servicing the student transportation you're not in essence um just having a bus show up those drivers need to be licensed um if you have they're they're trained professionals so if they don't have the necessary um professional development licensure and meet the other requirements you know, you can't put them on the road. So we're not taking people off the street, having them apply, and then putting them 
in a bus after a week-long training program. You're not allowed. It's against the law. These have to be the most trained professional employees in this industry. And you can't just pull people off the street to deliver packages and stuff like, you know, like what Amazon has been doing. You know, these these people take training and they 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 have to pass tests. And the reason for that is because we're transporting children and this is serious. The severity of this needs to be understood by everybody. And the trickle down effect of what happens by not paying your school contractors will be felt for months to come. And that's a harsh reality that we need to be faced, that, that everyone needs to be faced with. And this isn't an idle threat. This isn't the contractors threatening school districts that they're not going to perform. They physically can't perform. It's out of their hands. And this is why this needs to be treated with the attention it deserves. What what has your been your engagement with the association with um, you know elected officials? So um, I know you said earlier that uh, you know the decision needed to be made by Governor Cuomo, but um, I'm sure you've engaged a, a lot of your, your um, you know state senators and and representatives um, you know on your behalf. Uh, what what's, what have those conversations been like? So, yeah, we certainly have, uh, you know, two in particular, one would be Shelley Mayer and the other would be uh, Senator Tim Kennedy. Kennedy is the uh, um, state Senate transportation chair. Um, and and they, they agree with us. They've written letters to the governor on our behalf. We've, talk, we've spoken to local elected officials, spoken to statewide elected officials. Uh, we've spoken to the governor's office multiple times. Um, and uh, we wrote a letter to Charles Schumer as well. Uh, you know, uh, New York uh, Congress Senator. Um, you know, I think that the issue right now is that New York is quote unquote broke, and they don't know how to allocate the money. The money that was given to us through the Fed stimulus package, according to the governor, is too minimal, and they need a significant amount more. And I don't know if they are prioritizing our issue. And that's as blunt as I could be. Yeah. And so um, I know, like in New Jersey, they're working on a legislative remedy um, and passing a bill. Uh, I, I guess the the you know, what you guys are looking for is more in the line of an, an executive order where the governor just signs an edict and says you shall pay your contractors. Yeah, that's most certainly correct. And we're still going through our local elected officials to try and urge the governor. Like I said, we've gone to the state Senate transportation committee we've gone to labor committee state senate labor committee chairman and we are trying to have them write letters on our behalf to the governor but we all know the way that new york politics works and you know going the legislative route maybe the legislature in new jersey have a little bit more clout than the legislature in new york but nothing gets done around here without the governor's approval so instead of going the legislature route and doing it for namesake and, uh, you know, we're trying to go to exactly where it would wind up in the first place. And uh, that's the governor. Yeah. No, you're right. Because either way, Governor Cuomo has to approve it. Um, so either, you know, way. either way. So if it goes goes through the legislative process, that's a longer road um, to get from, you know, point A to point B and then to the governor. So uh, it certainly makes sense in, in that respect. 
Um, just, you know, moving forward, Corey, um, what are you guys doing and what can be done to assist you? So we're still, you know, we're writing letters to the governor. We're hitting all of our local elected officials. We're doing our best to educate our school districts, inundating them with letters, paperwork. Uh, we just had a letter sent from some of the largest transportation unions in New York. Uh, one of one of the gentlemen, John Samuelson, he represents the TWU uh, International. A very large letter from very powerful labor labor presidents was sent to the governor by hand yesterday. It uh, incorporates 125,000 school bus employee jobs uh, that they represent. So it's it's getting the word out there and making this a priority. And 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 like I said before, giving this industry the attention it deserves. Because, you know, we worry about education and, and transportation is one of the, the stepping stones. It's fundamental to education. So it's, it's yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Educating your school districts, educating your school boards, educating your local electeds to continue to write or call the governor's office and make this a priority. Um, having your school boards understand the perils of what would happen if you don't pay for a number of months. Um, this is about arming people with knowledge. That's the fight that we're in right now. And the school districts could take the advice of their attorneys, but their attorneys don't run the school district. School boards run the school district. Superintendents run the school district. The money has been allocated last year for transportation this year, so we know it is there. They can make an informed business decision for their community and children that they want to continue paying their transportation contractors so that there will not be a lapse in service. And that's what we would like to see. Yeah, and you make a, a very good point that the school board members have it well within their jurisdiction because, hey, let's let's face it, uh, you know, not every attorney is correct in their interpretation of a law. You know, that's a key point to remember. Well point, well taken. Well, Corey, uh, the other thing that we talked about was uh, originally, you know, NSTA was going up to Niagara Falls this year. Uh, you know, part of co collateral damage of COVID-19 is that uh, we had to postpone, um, you know, our annual um, annual meeting and, and convention. Um, and then also um, the school bus safety competition was, you know, also postponed. Uh, I mean, the good news is we are going to come back in 2022 to Niagara Falls. We were looking forward to New York hosting the event. Uh, so sorry that, uh, you know, events um, conspire to work against us um, in hosting at this year. But uh, looking forward to, to you know, um, putting this all past us and then having a great celebration in, in 2022 up there. Um, just We just want to, um, you know, lend our support to New York. Uh, School Bus Contractors Association, so supportive of what you're doing up there, and uh, appreciate taking a few minutes here to, um, you know, let folks know what's going on in New York and, you know, how you guys are trying to tackle this problem. Now, I want to say thank you to you, Kurt and Hannah, and thank you to the NSDA for all that they did on the CARES Act. Thank you to all the information they've been disseminating to get to us so that New York Association could use it as well. Um, you guys have been a tremendous, tremendous ally and a tremendous resource tool during these times. And you're doing some unbelievable work. I've had some conversations with the president, John Benish. I want to thank him too for calling me and checking in on me. He's a great guy and he's going through it over there as well. And uh, 
it's challenging to run your own business. Uh, it's challenging enough. And then to take on an association as well, uh, you know, you get a double bucket there. So, you know, thank you to John and we'll continue to fight the good fight together. Well, Corey, it's always a pleasure. Uh, next time we'll be under completely different uh, circumstances. And so we can talk about how the industry, you know, made its way out of this, you know, crisis. But uh, thanks for taking a few minutes to spend at the bus stop with us and, and be well, Corey. Thank you very much. Be well and stay safe.